I think that we have to be optimists, especially in our business. Leaders need to bring in positive energy into the room. You can go have your tears wherever you need to have them, but when you come to the to the to the work, you got to bring your best self. People are counting on that. Jim White has devoted his life to helping young people in crisis overcome their circumstances and move forward to a future and a life that's good. Uh, Jim began his work with the Covenant House of New Jersey in 1982. Covenant House provides shelter, food, immediate crisis care, and other services to homeless and runaway youth. I got introduced to them when I moved my company, One Huddle, to Newark. I had the privilege to meet Jim White and the team at the Covenant House, their services from healthcare to educational support, GED prep, job readiness, skill training, substance abuse treatment, prevention programs, uh, legal services, mental health services, mother-child programs, and transitional living programs. Uh, I mean, it's just absolutely amazing the work that the Covenant House organization does under the guidance of Jim White. And I had the opportunity to catch up with Jim uh, for this next episode. You know, I, I reached out to Jim because a few years ago, I had the opportunity to participate in an executive sleep out right here in Newark. A couple hundred folks from across New Jersey came to Newark to spend the night out on the street to experience what unfortunately so many youth do experience when it comes to homelessness. The experience was profound for me. It was one that I went into with an interest in gaining a better understanding, but also participating with so many other folks from across the community. I was struck by Jim and his team's devotion, care, experience, smarts, love. And it's that love word that's interesting. At the first sleep out, Jim got up on stage right before the night began, and he made a comment that sticks with me to this day. Jim was talking about the young people that, that come through the doors of the Covenant House on any given night. And he said, what do you do for the people you love? He says, you do everything. Talking about the devotion and the care that they put in and invest in the young people across the community. They're coming out programs across the country. So I wanted to catch up with Jim as we explore future of work and we go deeper into the topic of poverty and homelessness and stressors that impact the workers in our community, but with a special focus on our young people. Senator Cory Booker from the great state of New Jersey just this week was on Capitol Hill talking about our young people and he said this, you wanna know how a nation's doing? Don't look at the buildings we build or how many billionaires we have. Just look at the children. I think it goes without saying why I wanted to talk to Jim White for this episode. So with that, let's bring it in. Let's kick it off. I think, Jim, maybe a good place to start would be, can you share a little bit about your background and what brought you to Covenant House? Yeah, sure. So um, this past February was 39 years when I first came to Covenant House as a, a young kid out of college. And, um, you know, I grew up in a wonderful home and, and got the message that we needed to give back. I decided I would give one year of volunteering and um, I fell in love with the work. And um, so I, I stayed at Covenant House as a full-time volunteer for a few years back in the early, early 80s. And then I went to, uh, I had an MBA, I went to Wall Street for a few years and uh, 
you know, was getting up often with the Sunday scaries <laughs> and realized that my passion and my, 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 my vocation was really working with Covenant House. So I went back to Covenant House uh, after a few years on Wall Street and um, got my MSW and really dedicated so that far out. Then I just dedicated to, to the work of Covenant House and working with homeless runaway and, and trafficked young people. What, what would surprise somebody out there who maybe is not as up to speed with the challenges of poverty today or homelessness yeah. or what's happening? What would be, what would be some uh, information that you would you typically share that um, with folks? Yeah, th thank you. And uh, I know that you're, you're on this and, and one huddles on this, but I, I, I think one of the things that I see, you know, that there's a divide and when you're dealing with people with what's called generational poverty, they have a different kind of mindset on certain values that, that if we're going to employ them and help them, um, we have to be at least sensitive to the realities that they come from. And as, as employers, I know that, you know, you have an end in mind of getting the right people in the right seats to to do the job, but if we're going to really try to tackle this divide, um, we're gonna have to tool our, our people up, but the organizations are gonna have to have a little uh, understanding of where they come from and work collaboratively to get them to that stable space. You know, generational poverty, what does that mean, right? And so it's, it's really about young people who grew up, you know, in generations of poverty. And when that happens, they often have a different mindset. And what we're working with our young people on specifically at Covenant House is to help them understand if you wanna work in the business world, you have to have a value of time. Let's just take time as one example. And so as an employer, you know, we have to, and, and as Covenant House, we're working with young people to understand you can't be there at 915. You got to be there at nine, and yet their their relationship to time can be different. So we have a lot of work to do there, and I feel that's on Covenant House. But another one, so so if if if, if you understand, they come with a different paradigm. Um, often our young people want to just get a job so that it can pay a bill, and we have to change their paradigm to add value and to get excited about adding value. You know, you're a CEO, you, you want somebody to come in who can add value. And we have to teach our young people to get excited about adding value. So, so that's a real challenge for employers today. I know that uh, we, we encounter people like you with great hearts and spirit and willing to meet us. So we have to kind of educate the employer and we really have to work hard with our young people to get them to understand if you want to work in this, this business world, you're going to have to change some of your values, right? Or the way in which you see the world regarding time as an example. Um, but also, you know, to challenge um, the employers, one of the things you have to look at is helping and, and meeting our people around just transportation, for example, or, or other challenges that they have. And are, are organizations willing to go a little beyond you know, here's the job application, fill it out. You know, are you willing to kind of come down the, 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 the escalator or the stairs a little bit and empathize with our young people? And again, not to, not to become social workers, but to become empathetic. And as you start to do the training for our young people, 
um, really address some of these issues that are you would assume people would know. And you can't assume it because our young people who've grown up in generational poverty may not know. They may not have had um, uh, people in their community leaving at seven o'clock to go to a job. They may not have seen that. And so how do we get them to assimilate into the structure of a workplace? So, um, so that's really a challenge for all of us. Um, it's a challenge for those people who live in poverty. They need to, you know, tool up and be willing to kind of embrace, let's just for this example, time, right? And the employer has to kind of be empathetic and, and, and be part of the, the learning. I know that that's what you guys do so well is the, is the, the training, you know, nine o'clock's important. <laughs> you got to hit the bell, right? Um, so that's just one of the things that I think as we look at this and trying to create and meet at the divide, we have to tool our people up and we also have to be empathetic and, and be part of that tooling, part of that training, part of that um, paradigm shift, if I can say, for people who live in, who have lived in, in poverty. Sure. You know, uh, that was a lot. Did I, did I overdo it? I mean, <laughs> you nailed it. No, you nailed yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. That's a challenge, right? I mean, it's a lot. I mean, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think, you know, you, it makes me think about, and this this is just thinking about it today, uh, the, uh, it, there's a lot of talk about President Biden's new infrastructure package, and there's an argument about what is considered infrastructure. And, you know, one of the arguments being made is it's no longer just bridges and tunnels, it's human infrastructure. You know, how yeah. do we make sure that we, do we have an infrastructure that can lift people up and provide people with, you know, opportunities. If you have childcare challenges, that's going to carry over. It's like when you clock in, there's still stuff that you're carrying into work. And it just makes me, makes me, uh, I raise that because I want to ask you, are there, what are there, are there any specific uh, recommendations or great success stories you've seen on how companies specifically and corporate leaders, many of which are saying they're trying to create more equity, more mm -hmm. access. Mm -hmm. Are there any re specific recommendations that you would have for a leader out there that says, I believe in this, but where do I start? Yeah, th and thanks for that. And, and um, I, I think what has to happen is that the handoff between social service agencies and employers is too wide as well. And there has to be an overage to, to working collaboratively. So uh, we, we have not been as successful when a company says, hey, send us five of your young people. And it's when they kind of come to us or we go to them and create kind of an onboarding that sets them up for success, that, that a lot of our people need a little bit more of a runway. And if the employer is willing to kind of come to town, if you will, or we're able to go to your house and kind of work collaboratively on how do we get them so that the work experience is not a foreign planet uh, and try to assimilate them in in a more thoughtful way. Clearly, the company has standards and we as nonprofits have to respect that and see that as a priority. We can't bend standards. What, and I'm not saying that to be clear. What I do think is value, and we've seen it add value, is when a group like One Huddle uh, and Audible, by the way, who came to us and we kind of did a, a co-creation of an onboarding. And then also what we did was we didn't, for some of our young people who wouldn't make it in that industry or that particular job, we didn't put them up for failure. You know, for our young people and for our workers, if they fail, 
it's really hard to get them to try again. And they do, and we have to try, but you, you can imagine how that failure can almost be overwhelming. And so we wanna to try to mitigate that. And how do we do that? We come together and we co-create an onboarding that is a little longer perhaps, maybe it's a, a, a two-day training or maybe it's a, an orientation period or it's you work for two days in an internship, but kind of lengthen that and then and as an agency wrap around and provide our gifts, which is you know, connection and intervention and support along with the organization's gift, which is an opportunity and kind of marry and work that together and then maintain the standards of the company because we don't want companies to walk away from us. And we've had that. So that's really where I think we, we have a real opportunity to synergize. It just can't be a handoff. It has to be a, a walk together as we bring them onboarding into the organization. Why wouldn't every company take you up on that? I, uh, good question. Let's ask the listeners. Now, I, I think, uh, well, you know, it's an investment. It's an investment. And I think for us, we've challenged organizations to say, we know you want to help. We know that you want to help people of poverty and, and, and you know, 95% of our, our kids are kids of color. We want to, you know, provide them access out of, out of the poverty. Um, and I think companies want to do that. And I think not to dump it on the companies, I think we as nonprofits need to reimagine and, and, and create that partnership as we move forward. We've been lucky, we work with Accenture and they're really helping us too. And, and it's, it's kind of innovative, right? It's how do we, how do we create those, those, those bridges? And, and I think why they don't, the answer might be, um, it's an investment. Uh, it's an investment is, is one. And I know that we're not gonna be successful with all, but we've experienced some wonderful successes um, as we partnered with this longer term onboarding process. How do you interact with, uh, I guess, state, local, federal government? How does, uh, how are they doing? What, what yeah. can we as voters or individuals, uh, you know, how should we be thinking about um, the role of government in the work you're doing? I'm not sure I'm the right guy to ask for that. You know, I, I'm, I, I think that it's a, um, I think the government is trying to provide some financial support. I think the dial is going to change when organizations, uh, companies um, reimagine or, or work collaboratively. I, I don't, I think government mandates, you know, I think governments are trying to do it. Um, and I appreciate and applaud their efforts. But, and funding is important, right? We need to support our team to hire people who can help. But um, I, I, I like to lean a little bit more on the corporations. I think they're the they're they're in the driver's seat. They're the ones with the jobs. They're the ones who know what they need. You know, sometimes we get these our staff, our young people get trained by these agencies or and then there's no job at the end. And and so we're kind of just what are we doing there? You know, it just makes me kind of scratch my head. So and if sure. they they got three certificates, great. You know, what do we got? We got three certificates. You know, so not to diminish that. I mean. Uh, well, maybe. I mean, the, the the real challenge is that that real job that we can we can get people onto. So I think that, you know, I think the government's trying. I, I think we've got a new dawn, a new day, and that's exciting. But um, I think that the rubber's going to hit the road when corporations um, get in the get in the get committed to this and and become some of the thought partners 
on how to do. I mean, look at the innovation that you guys do. I mean, it's just, we use your tool for our young people and it is helping them to learn. It's, it's engaging them and it's being, yet it's, 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 it's bringing them along. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, that's great. Great. That wasn't a great answer for the government, but uh, that's, I don't that's, think they deserve I, one. They might not deserve it. So it's fine. Uh, I want, I want to shift to, to you, Jim, but uh, the, it, it's hard to explain what a sleep out is, although you all have to do it every day. So maybe that's not accurate. Uh, yeah. But when you really experience it, it's super powerful. And I, I was able to attend one just, you know, right before the pandemic. And um, I want to ask you about leadership sure. as from your seat, as someone who is, uh, you know, led from the led from the front uh, with uh, the Covenant House in Newark, mm. and through all of these events and through a global pandemic, watching as your organization has been on the front lines and had to shift and had to staff and had to grow. Uh, I'd love to ask you your personal philosophy and perspective on leadership. Um, uh, yeah, so you know during these. You know, I've been doing this for a very, very long time, and when the pandemic hit, it, it felt pandemic hit. It felt like freshman year, right? I was like, "Well, wait, I thought I knew how to do this, right?" So, um, uh, so that was a real challenge. And I, and you, as we all know, challenge is opportunity. And and um, I think uh, a couple of things from my perspective on leadership, um, we had it. What I tried to do was inspire my staff, right, to say, "Hey, guys." this is going to be a real challenge. You know, we're taking care of over 150 kids in shelter um, who aren't compliant. I said, but what I said to them was, and I, I hope it was inspiring, and I think it was, I said, we were built for this, right? We know despair. We know fear of the future that we're experiencing. We know uh, because we see it in the eyes of the, every kid who comes to Covenant House. They're always frightened of the future. They're always fearful of what's going to be next. And we know that and we see that. And the way to counteract that is to be together, to come together and, and to be in unity as we work in community. Uh, some call it team. I call it community to work collaboratively and work together. So I think leadership is to inspire. I, I also would say this to the leaders, too. You don't have the luxury of whining. You can't, woe is me, oh my God, I don't know, I, you know. And the rules kept changing, you know. Uh, it was very humbling. I said, okay, I'm gonna mandate everybody gets a vaccine. And they go, yeah, you can't do that. I go, oh, okay, erase that, you know, just kidding. Um, and so, you know, the challenge is, it was the moving target was hard, but I do think that we don't have the luxury of whining. I think that we have to be optimists, especially in our business. Leaders need to bring in positive energy into the room. You can go have your tears wherever you need to have them, but when you come to the eight, to the to the work, you got to bring your best self. People are counting on that, and these are our opportunities to really step up and provide. So, I think that as leaders, we have to get excited about this opportunity uh, in the darkness to to be to 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 be positive and to be a light and to bring people together. So. To the leaders uh, that work for me, I say there's no whining, you know, that sign, no whining with the red star. So that's, that's the sign, man. We, we have, this is our, this is when leadership, it demands us to be a positive force in the organization as, as we go forward. And then to be humble. You know, we, we, I was in three meetings a week, one with the state, one with the local, and one with our Covenant House Internet on COVID. And 
you know, there was a real humility and, and yet, you know, a, an uncertainty. And I think that in leadership, we have to have that humility. And I think I've said I made a bad decision, like more times in the last year and a half than I've ever said in the last 20, like, whoops, you know, we're going to change, we're going to pivot, we're going to make a different decision. So I think humility is core, core as well. So those are two things. And the last thing I think is, how do we, um, you know, for us, a real, real challenge is how do we be true to our mission and yes, respond to COVID? I mean, basically for a long period, a couple of months, we were just COVID protecting. We weren't even, I felt we were off mission a little bit, trying to move kids to stable living environments. We were just trying to keep everybody safe. So I think flexibility would be another one. But for me, I think the, the, the commercial would be no whining. Yeah. <laughs> no whining. We'll write it up. That's yeah, a, that, suck that's, it up. You're in charge. A... They're paying you for that. <laughs> You're getting paid to be the leader. Step up now. Time. No, you saw, you totally saw companies who, you know, leaders got tested and some, you know, some leaned in, some leaned back. And, you know, I, I, we saw it with a lot of companies when they made decisions on, you know, who do you furlough? Do you lay? I mean, there was, I was talking to companies that said, we lay everybody off for the minute it happened. And I'm like, well, that says something, doesn't it? If that's your knee jerk reaction, but those workers are going to come back. You know, it's like right. some point they're going to come back and they're going to remember how you yeah, yeah. treated them in that moment. So. so true. And you know what, for me, what I experienced was in trying to communicate and communication obviously is essential, right? Because they, you know, the, the, that old telephone game and what can be misheard. And then somebody read an article online that says, you know, they, the information was just all over the place. So picking who we were going to trust and who was going to be the, the, the science that we were going to trust was you know, was, was a challenge, I think, as well. Um, but also setting up the stage saying, hey, guys, we're going to do the best we can. Information's changing. We're going to share it as much as we can. And, and you know, when we started to move into getting the vaccine, it was about being in dialogue and not mandating. But And so that required a ton and continues to about communication and relationship. And emotions are so high. Tensions are so high. Um, we have to we have to be sensitive to that and um, you know yep. and deal with that as well. Last question, Jim. Uh, yep. Talking about the future of work and hope. Yeah. Uh, what's your hope for the future of work? Well, I'm excited about it. You know, again, <laughs> I have to read from my own hymnal here, right? I I said we have to be positive. So I am excited about it because I think that companies and and, and organizations like yours and and others are asking the tough question, which is how do we how do we uh, come back, right? And we learn from from you know organizations like yours and and others. We're we're watching, and as nonprofits, we don't have the dollar investment to think through a lot of these things. So I think we're watching about coming back, but I also am really excited about the movement towards uh, racism and really excited that we're taking that on and we haven't really come up with, you know, a clear plan for it, but we're, we're suffering it. And, you know, what I talk about with our young, with our staff and our, how we build going forward, we have to suffer the losses. Uh, and, and it's often the suffering of missing kids that make us, like we started a program with kids with mental health. We were losing kids with mental health. They were becoming part of the adult homeless population. And so what we did was we designed a, that, that, that hurt us when we saw that. And it moved us into action to repair and to come up. So we have a program now in Montclair, New Jersey for kids with mental health. 
So I think we're suffering it, and that is a good thing because I think it's going to move us as a nation and as companies to be responsive to this thing that we, we, we are pained by. I love it that we're pained by this. It's a good thing because it's going to move us into action. We have brilliant, bright people, and I trust that the corporations are, are the best and the brightest and will put their shoulder power to this, and we're going to see, uh, we're going to see the dial move. Uh, I'm really excited about it because for so long in my long history here, you know, kids have not had access to the education and opportunities that they so rightly deserve. I hope we continue to suffer this for a period of time and let it move us into positive action. Jim, thanks for your time. Thank you, brother. See you, Sam. You know, Jim White continues to teach me and in this conversation, I was struck by so many things, but one of the things was Jim's energy, it's like positivity. As you think about the work that the Covenant House team and Jim does, I can't help but be inspired by the positive energy that he has, his outlook on the future of work and his outlook for young people. I think it's for that reason that I maintain hope. And I also know that we all as business leaders, as elected officials, as workers need to do our best need to continue to put the effort forward uh, to care for every worker in our workforce. Most importantly, it starts with our youth. That's all for this episode of Bring It In. You know, if you're interested in learning more about the Covenant House or having your organization set up or be a part of a sleep out, I highly encourage it. They don't just have uh, programs for executives. They have general sleep out programs. Uh, they also have programs for uh, young professionals that our whole team at One Hole uh, participated in, uh, no matter what. They also have some phenomenal programming at the Covenant House every day with resources to help young people. So for business leaders out there, we all have a lot that we could potentially share uh, with a program like the Covenant House. You know, the Covenant House is opening doors for homeless and trafficked youth. Millions of kids suffer on the streets every day. For over 40 years, the Covenant House has sheltered and cared for these young people, now standing as a powerful human rights movement for homeless and trafficked youth in 31 cities across six countries. Go to covenanthouse.org. That's covenanthouse.org to learn more. Now, don't forget to subscribe to Bring It In so you never miss an episode. We've got some awesome guests lined up that you're not going to want to miss. Now, back to work. Thank you.